Welcome, Voltron fans. This is Mark Morell, your host for Let's Voltron, the official Voltron podcast. And we're coming at you this week as a continuation of last week's episode where we started talking about San Diego Comic-Con and everything that happened there for Voltron, Voltron Legendary Defender and Classic Voltron. And we had a, a, a special guest on last week, Danny DeWald. And we'd like to bring Danny back. But first, I got to bring back my co-host, Greg Tyler. Hey, 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 Mark Morrell. Great to be here as always. And I got to tell you, San Diego Comic-Con and Danny DeWald are both so awesome that we had to leave last week on a cliffhanger and pick up where we left off tonight. So, uh, Danny, welcome back. Welcome back, Danny. Hi, thank you for um, inviting me back onto the uh, program again. Um, it was so much fun last time and um, from the last WonderCom panel as well. So I really look forward to participating in these uh, podcasts. We love having you here. That's awesome. That's awesome. We appreciate your fandom and we appreciate you uh, hanging out with us for, for a couple hours. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> One thing that we, we did last week was we talked about the panel in great detail. Yes. People like that. Uh, you, some people even said that it felt like they were actually at the panel. So that was good. Uh, yeah, I saw that tweet and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. At least um, being there and being able to videotape it helped those who weren't, be, who weren't able to attend the panel and they got to see some insights. Right. But this week, we actually wanted to talk about some of the items that were at uh, San Diego Comic-Con, including the Bondi booth and the Toynami booth. And uh, we also have a couple of interviews that we got from some of the people that were on the Voltron panel. So we have an interview that I have both Joaquin Dos Santos and Lauren Montgomery, and another interview where we had head writer Tim Hedrick. Very cool. Let's start talking about some of these items that we saw at the booths at San Diego Comic-Con. And I want to remind fans that uh, I was not at San Diego Comic-Con, so... Uh... I'm once again the uh, the surrogate for the many folks out there who weren't able to go. So, uh, but I'm looking forward to uh, chatting about the con and everything that that's to follow. So let's do it. All right, let's get to it. Okay, so let's talk Bondi. We got the the Soul of Chikokin GX seventy one Voltron. Yeah, it's coming out in December of twenty sixteen or January of twenty seventeen, and it looks like it's going to have a price right around three hundred and five dollars. Yeah, and it's also dependent on what retailer you order it from. So if you have a chance, um, I would price shop. Uh, there are several sites that have listed it for just under $300 with shipping. Okay. So let's chat about what this is very quickly. I mean, just to give a brief history to folks who are not, uh, who are, are, you know, maybe haven't listened to a lot of uh, Collection DX podcasts or anything like that. Um, the original Go Lion toys, Go Lion, the show mm -hmm. that uh, the Lion Force episodes of the 80s Voltron cartoon are based on. The original toys were made by a company called Popey, later called Bondi. And the classic toy that we all remember and love probably the most dear from the 80s is the Matchbox Diecast Deluxe Voltron 3 or Lion Force Voltron. And it yes. stood about 11 and a half inches tall, fully transformable, diecast. And you could, in later, uh, about a year or so later, they made the sword and shield available separately. Yeah, the original uh, Popey Bondi toy, same basic construction, although the lion teeth, uh, the lion's teeth were sharp. 
Um, the weapons, the sword and shield came with the, uh, the, with the set and each of the lions had firing missiles and mouth blades and all these amazing attachable accessories that were never included in the Voltron toy. So, yeah. uh, but a thing to keep in mind is that the, the toys that, that, uh, Bondi made at that time, Go Lion was just one of many, many such transformable robots. And in the intervening years, Bondi has been revisiting its its robot properties through a line called Soul of Chagokin. And basically, they're revisiting the classic designs, but with updated articulation and per perhaps more uh, anime authentic uh, renderings of the of the various lions and components and all that. And Voltron or Go Lion is just the latest in that series. Um, it is fabulous. The, uh, the the robot from the preview photos and the photos from the con that we've seen are amazing. It stands about ten and a half inches tall, so perhaps slightly smaller than the original uh, Popey Bondi release. But it looks amazing, doesn't it? Yes, and it comes with the sword, it comes with the shield, and it comes with all the mouth weapons. Yeah, it was it was cool looking at the display at uh, the Tamashii Nations booth, um, which is where they actually had it. The Bondi booth was uh, situated right across. Um, but yeah, it it is definitely a little shorter than the um, Poppy version and, or and or the Matchbox version because I I constantly have the Matchbox version in my office, so um, I get to see it every day. Um, so comparing the two, yes, it's a little shorter. I wouldn't say more than an inch. Um, and the uh, the look of the toy itself is more realistic than I would say the Poppy and the Matchbox version. Um, the sculpture is a lot cleaner. It's nice, um, and you can see where all the points of articulation are a lot better than on the older older toy. Obviously, we haven't touched this yet, so we have no idea what it feels like. Yeah, I don't know what the weight is. It, uh, you, you know how you judge a toy by how it, how how much it weighs, because you know the Matchbox version is quite heavy. I don't know what the weight is, so you know how a lot of times they take shortcuts in replacing what used to be the metal parts with actual plastic parts, and that always reduces the weight of a toy. So I'm hoping. Um, they kept true to the original and just kept some of the parts where it was metal, metal. Yeah, I mean, they, they, Soul of Chugokin traditionally does have a, a good deal of diecast content in it. So I think yeah. we'll be happy from that perspective. Uh, yeah. In, in addition to the sword, shield, and mouth blades that Mark mentioned, uh, there are some of the additional uh, attachable weapons, you know, leg weapons, uh, spine weapons, things like that, that we haven't seen really since the Go Lion release. Uh, Panache Place had a lot of those attachable weapons with their lions. Of course, those were an entirely different design. But uh, this thing looks stellar. And, you know, we're going to be talking about a lot of exciting things coming up for with, with Toynami. And, of course, uh, eventually we'll learn more about, you know, not today, but We'll learn more in the near future about Playmates offerings for Voltron Legendary Defender. But I got to tell you, right here, right now, this is the product that I personally am the most excited about. Okay, so we'll move on to the Toynami booth now. We have the Toynami Stealth Voltron EX. This is a conference exclusive. You could pre-order there at the booth, and it's $500. Yeah, and I, I actually went and pre-ordered it. <laughs> is there anything you haven't pre-ordered? I actually haven't ordered the $400 one, the $400 version that's on Voltron.com. Um, Cause I was actually, I was actually hoping that Tonami would actually have that at their booth to pre-order itself, but they didn't, they offered this one instead. Right. So I, I think, I think it would have been more confusing. Like what's the difference between the two? 
and I don't think they wanted to spend time trying to explain it. So that one I'll definitely order off of uh, the website in the near future after several conventions I have to attend in the next month. And then the other one is the clear green Voltron figure. I haven't ordered that yet. That one you were talking about, the it's $449.99. That's the yeah. Toynami Ultimate Voltron EX. Yes. Which is supposed to come out in winter of 2016. Yes. Yeah, so to cover that very quickly, the, the Ultimate EX stands about 16 inches tall. Uh, it's yeah. made entirely of plastic, and some people dislike that, but... If you do the math, if this thing had been made entirely in the same proportion of uh, die-cast metal as the Popey Matchbox toy, the thing would weigh a ton. I would totally think it would break easily, too, with all the... If it was as interchangeable and art articulate as they say it is, because um, so several reviews are saying this is the most articulate Voltron figure that has been ever made. Yeah, if it was 16 inches and completely die-cast with some plastic parts, that thing is going to be too heavy for being played as a toy, it's definitely, it would only be used as a display piece. Right. One of the claims to fame of this version, the Ultimate EX, is that the lions are capable of being posed in a seated position. Uh, although I will say that the uh, the Bandai Soul of Chagokin lions have also been shown in that position too. So uh, yeah. some pretty cool articulation in these upcoming items. And so the Stealth Voltron EX is using, it uses the same mold as the Ultimate Voltron EX, but it has a sort of a, an inverted color scheme, kind of a black with colored trim motif going on. Um, and of course, the name Stealth Voltron evokes uh, memories of Stealth Voltron from uh, Voltron the Third Dimension, although this uh, clearly has the design of the, the 80s classic that we know and love. So we also asked the people at Toynami what their biggest seller was for the conference, and they said it was the Ultimate Superposable Diecast figure that was for $80. Yeah, they sold that last year as well at Comic-Con. Um, so I picked that one up. It's it's adorable. I love that figure. Right. That's the extent of the figures that we saw there. Was the transformable version there? The Ultimates, I think they called it, is it the Ultimates DX? Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, the Ultimates DX was there as well, but that, that one wasn't selling as well as the other Ultimates. Yeah, the $80 one was selling better because the other one was 129 I believe. It was 150 I think. 150 there, yeah. yeah. Right? It was more expensive, so I can see why people weren't like, what's the difference between the two? I'm like, the other one's a little bit better. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah. 80, yeah, the $80 one I saw a lot of people buying. Yeah, the, the $80 Altamites version, I'm, I'm just trying to, I'm just giving some news for those who aren't familiar with these items. The Altamites, uh, the $80 price point one is a small, super deformed version of Lion Force Voltron that is fully transformable, and each lion can accommodate a teeny tiny cute little pilot figure. It's really, really slick looking. The $150, I guess, version is also uh, uh fully transformable and i'm trying to remember what 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 else is the distinction for that or did i get the two mixed up well they're both superposable the really super deformed one is the 80 dollar one okay and our and and just to correct me i apologize if i'm mistaken on this i didn't realize we were going to discuss the ultimates toy but is the 80 dollar version transformable or is it just the 150 dollar one no it's not transformable but it's posable okay yeah, it's thank posable, you for clarifying yeah. thank you for yeah. clarifying i missed right that. Right, so. so you're paying almost twice as much for them to be able to transform. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so both are quite cute looking, and I don't own yeah. either personally, but I've been tempted many, many times, and I'm still tempted to pick them both up. They look great. 
They're worth it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have I have both of them. Um, and then I also picked up that la- last year's uh, Comic Con exclusive, the bigger Voltron. So yeah, I have I have all three that they offered last year. Nice. Okay, so we got something hot off the presses today. Do you guys did you guys hear about the Superfan Builds show? Uh, yes. Yes, we did. Okay, well, Superfan Builds is a reality show where they, they build things for superfans. The superfans don't know what it's going to be. And by the end, the, the, the superfans are really excited about it. And it's obviously something that's very unique that nobody else is going to have because it was custom built just for them. So uh, I wanted to play like the first two minutes of this because it's, it's, it's an introduction that's really well produced. Mm-hmm. And it really you know, gives the viewers an idea of what they're getting into when it comes to being a super fan of Voltron. So is that something you guys might know about? Uh, a bit, a bit, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a tad. <laughs> yeah, I'm surrounded, right. I'm surrounded by Voltron uh, per, uh, merchandise right now. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to play this first two minutes of it. Introduced it to me, and 
I got hooked to it. I really like it. I love Voltron. You know, it's like the original big space robot. And ever since, we've just been able to go ahead and watch the show together and play with the toys, and we loved it. All right, so what did you guys think of that introduction? That's pretty cool. They included everything from um, the new Voltron uh, in, uh, new Voltron series as well as the old. And I just love the fact they used the Honest Trailer Guy to uh, narrate. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, honest trailer guy. Honest trailer guy. <laughs> <laughs> it really gave the thing a a Peter Cullen kind of a feel. Obviously, yeah. not his voice, but uh, that kind of a vibe. Yes. Right. This just came out today, and we wanted to introduce it to people on the podcast. Obviously, by the time this podcast recording gets edited and out, uh, a lot of people are going to know about it. But we just wanted to let people know that uh, you know this was a really cool thing that had happened for one. Voltron super fan and his son out there and basically what they're doing is they're building Voltron lion bikes yeah the uh, father gets the the black lion uh, bike and and the son gets the green lion bike and they're they're really cool looking yeah and the, and the lions are styled after their appearance in Voltron legendary defender as well yes 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 and it's it's all helped by the people at DreamWorks yeah, they uh, provided the schematics and drawings from the actual animation um, show, and uh, he works from that. So you can see his process. It's a quick, like, uh, edit, edited video of how he uh, take, took the drawings to plan out his, uh, how to build the bikes, and he goes from there. Yeah, pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so so everybody take a look out there for Super Fan Builds. Does anybody know what channel that's on? Um, it's, uh, awe.me. Um, if you go on YouTube and search on awe.me, M-E, um, you'll find their channel and they're the one that posted that video. They also have great videos on other builds. Uh, they're most known for their man at arms, uh, videos, which is the one where they actually make swords from different video games and even, uh, fantasy shows. They, they've done, Sephiroth sword, they've done Link sword, they've done uh, Pyramid head sword. So it's a great channel if you're into that kind of stuff and you're into watching people and men play with metal. It's <laughs> a great channel. It's it's just awesome. It's like it's all the way back down to real blacksmithing. So um, yeah, I, I suggest uh, subscribing and, and get notifications uh, when they post their new videos because all of their stuff is great to watch. Okay. Cool. My guess is that these uh, lion bikes probably won't have the uh, flaking chrome problem that the uh, the oh. stealth lion cycles had from Trendmasters back in the nineties. <laughs> oh my god! No, nope, not at all. I swear to God, that happened to. Um, I still have my Trendmasters and my stealth Voltron. Yep, all the paint flaked off of it. I there was no way of saving it. I'm. I don't know what. I guess it's because it's Hawaii weather too. Yeah, the the all the chrome paint on that toy just like the heck off and oh. i'm sitting there going my toy <laughs> i'm so sorry i know and yeah. it's not like i can replace it because nobody has that stupid robot on eBay <laughs> or amazon anymore it's like nobody anything to do with Trendmasters except for the uh, initial no the second release not the first one because the first one was limited but the second release of the voltron figure is yeah. unavailable and the voltrex figure is hard to get you can barely find those now and that yeah. one, also, the paint flaked off of it, too. 
Yeah, and that thing is covered in chrome when before it flakes oh. off. So when it flakes off, you really notice it. Some of the new fans that are only fans of Voltron Legendary Defender might not know what we're talking about. Yes, <laughs> I think I think, and I mean this in all sincerity. I, I would like Mark for us in a future episode to do a sort of Voltron one hundred and one to help bring new yeah. fans and old fans into the full milieu of all the different shows that have been out i mean not to beat people over the head with all the crazy details but just to do a high level survey of what there is to enjoy about our favorite defender of the universe oh yeah someone might have written the book on that oh yeah uh, maybe <laughs> <laughs> just just for you fans out there who are brand new to voltron and are only fans of voltron legendary defender right now there's a book out there that was published by Perfect Square called Voltron from Days of Long Ago, a 30th Anniversary Celebration. And it was written by Brian Smith, myself, Joshua Bernard, and the art was done by Jacob Shabbat. Just wanted to, to let you people out there know that my section that I wrote about was how Voltron got developed in the first place as a, as a show from Japan. Yeah. And... Everything that has happened with Voltron, you know, through the, the shows that were out, the uh, Voltron Defender of the Universe show in the 80s, the uh, Voltron the Third Dimension show in the 90s, and Voltron Force in uh, 2011. So, you know, it, it covers all of that up until the present day. And then, you know, obviously there's, there's a new chapter that needs to be built now because we've got Voltron Legendary Defender and it's making Voltron bigger than ever. Yeah. yeah. So again, I have, I've tried to do this in past episodes, but I want to welcome all fans of Voltron, uh, whether you've come aboard, uh, you know, new to the family with Voltron Legendary Defender or whether you've been with us from days of long ago, from 1984 uh, with Voltron Defender of the Universe or anywhere in between. Welcome to the podcast. We hope you'll uh, stick around. I think you're going to like what you hear. So as a special treat for the for the fans of Voltron Legendary Defender, we have some interviews that we took from San Diego Comic-Con. The first interview is with Joaquim Dos Santos, executive producer of Voltron Legendary Defender, and co-executive producer of Voltron Legendary Defender, Lauren Montgomery. Are you ready for that interview? Indeed. Okay. Hi, this is Mark Morell from Let's Voltron, the official Voltron podcast, and we're here at San Diego Comic-Con 2016, and we're talking about Voltron Legendary Defender. And we're talking to Joaquim Dos Santos and Lauren Montgomery, the executive producers. Yep. Hey, everyone. How's it going, guys? All right. So we just got done the panel, mm -hmm. and we got to see a lot of your favorite moments from season one. Mm -hmm. And one of your favorite moments was the part where Alora had to say goodbye to her father. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the one that kind of tears me up the most. Like, I'll get goosebumps the first time Voltron forms, but I actually get, like, teary when that music hits and, and Alora kind of hugs her father and says goodbye. It's, it's incredible, and, like, I think it's, it's some of the most of the emotion I've ever had watching our show. Yeah, for sure. Right. And for me, I was, I mean, I said it at the panel, but, you know, I, I got a 10-month-old at home, and any time I hear that baby start crying, I'm, I'm done. Even at the panel, I was like, oh, man, I'm not crying when the lights go up. Yeah. I was a little bit, but um, 
you know, so you had mentioned some of the other people that were involved in that scene, like mm -hmm. the director. Yeah, Eugene, he pretty much boarded that entire emotional scene. Um, you know, it was in the script in like a kind of very rough phase, but a lot of times what our, what our board artists and our directors do is they just take it to the next level and they really kind of flesh it out in, in the storyboard. And Eugene, he really brought that scene home. Like, I remember us talking about it, mm -hmm. looking at the script, and he was like, I want to take this scene, I have some ideas. And I was like, all right, man. Because we were at first we were like, oh, Lauren, you should take the scene because I was kind of like a tyrant about it. And I was like, I know what I want to see. But Eugene's like, oh, I want to take it. I was like, all right, all right, Eugene, you take it, but we'll see. Yeah, and then he did a really like good a job. We'll and I was like, oh, my God, he did better than I could have done. Damn it, Eugene. <laughs> but he did, he did an incredible thing. It's yeah. amazing. How do you decide which director gets which scenes? I mean, um, it, it, it actually just rolls out yeah. naturally. It's you know, it's we've got three directors, so it's sort of on a rotating cycle, and they don't, nobody really gets to pick which episode they're going to do. They just sort of get handed that episode. Um, it's more delegating to their respective storyboard artists on their team, who's who's stronger for this type of sequence or who's stronger for that type of sequence. Um, scenes within their episode but yeah the episode is just like here's your episode yeah. and then but yeah Eugene he had he had ideas he had vision for that scene and it was incredible yeah okay all right you had talked about uh, uh, it was you know season two hullabaloo we had talked about that <laughs> sure sure right yeah. and it's really just anticipation for getting the fans excited right i mean you you don't want to give away stuff too early because then what happens if everybody knows it and then it's still a long way until it happens yeah, right totally Absolutely. i mean it's it's all about sort of you know setting a pace and making sure that people obviously are excited for what's potentially coming up um and for us, we were really excited about just revealing the teaser at the panel because we went through the whole panel showing clips from episodes that everybody's already seen. And Steve was a huge show. You know, Steve coming up on stage was a huge, exciting moment. Um, and then at the end, you know, if we can sort of save up that that excitement for the very end of the panel, it's it's that's something we want to do with the entire series. Yeah, I was in denial. I, I just want you to know, I, I didn't think Stephen was there, and wow. and my wife had said that, yeah, that's Stephen, and I'm like, but he's he works too hard on other stuff. He really does. His his Comic Con experience is, I mean, it's mind blowingly busy. He's all over the place. Are you guys liking the attention that that Voltron is getting? You know, and and all the all the places you're going to talk about Voltron. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's incredible. You know, the more eyes we get on this project, like the better odds it has of like continuing. Yeah. So, uh, and just you know, seeing all the fan feedback, and it's it's reassuring that that we're doing something right when people really love and appreciate this show. So, so the more you know, press we get out there, the yeah. better it is. And 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 the more genuine love we feel from the fans who contribute. You know, not only fan art but fan fiction or just, you know sort of coming up with their own concepts of who's who's that in that scene and what does that mean and and uh it's it's weirdly i mean not to get like too too cheesy but it's it's kind of an emotional moment for us because we grew up with this and it's it's been a dream not only to work on the show but now have people react this way to it it's it's really cool right it's right. it's getting more and more exposure even than maybe the original voltron got what do you think it's possible yeah. i mean i think it's hard because over the course of yeah. 30 years or whatever it's been um, yeah, it's sort of permeated. People know the term Voltron. Kids know the term Voltron. They don't necessarily know what the show was, but they're like, oh, I know what Voltron is. I didn't watch the show, but I know what it is. So I think the fact that it's had that time to kind of permeate 
I think we got a lot to compete with, but I think we're giving it stiff competition. Yeah, and the fact that we have social media on our side That's now, true. That, that helps. Yeah. Yeah. So in the, in the season two trailer, we, we saw a lot of Shiro looking like he was dangerously close to not being with the team anymore. And I got to tell you something, the, the fans are still thinking about Sven again, yeah. you know? And you guys are pushing that limit, and we're really hoping that Shiro stays. Well, I mean, we, 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 we tease and we tease and we tease again. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you just got to watch it. You just got to watch it to see what happens. But the fact, again, that people are even talking about it or that people are so uh, attracted or, or find a connection with a character that they're, you know, it, it rises an emotion out of them. That's awesome for us. Yeah, every, every person that we talk to on the, on the podcast says that, you know, I, I love Shiro, I love Keith, I love Pidge, I love them all. That's, that's that's where I come from. That's, that's what you want with the team. That, yeah. yeah, that was our goal all along, and that was like that was one of the very first pieces of feedback that we got that we were really happy about when they they showed it to a group of kids like for testing, and one of the execs came back and said each paladin got like two votes. It, like it was across Equally the board. Like yeah. you know, people like Pidge, they liked Hunk, they liked Lance, like they liked everyone. It wasn't just like a one man show, and that was incredible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah so I want you to know that. The, the fandom is growing. That's great. New fans, old fans, all fans. And we're going to be with you the whole step of the way. We've been oh, with you since WonderCon and before, yeah, before the June 10th premiere, after the June 10th Day premiere, one. and here in San Diego. And we hope to see you at New York. Absolutely. I hope so, too. Yeah, we hope so, too. We love New York Comic Con. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. So we'll see you all next time on Let's, Let's Voltron. <laughs> all right. Thank you. So what did you think? Awesome. It's always good to hear them speak about their projects and see how passionate they are. And it's it's so nice to have this particular team working on this show because I know they will give it the justice it deserves. Yeah, this was great to hear from them. Is this their fourth time being featured on our podcast now? Yes, it is. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so we had, we had interviews with them at WonderCon, and then we did a pre-June 10th uh, talk with them. And then we did a post-June 10th talk with them. And now we've done interviews with them at uh, San Diego Comic-Con. It's pretty cool that they've been willing to talk with us about this show. I mean, obviously they're promoting their own work, but they, I think their their enthusiasm and excitement for this project is genuine. And it's uh, certainly shared by fans of this series. What a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. I was really interested in, in you know, seeing if they would give us any extra information about the Shiro part of season two, but obviously they can't talk about that. And you heard him say tease about four times, right? Right. So I really think that that teaser trailer was a true tease and that uh, Shiro's still going to be with us at the end of season two. We'll see. Oh, yeah. We'll see. I, I'm of the, of the belief that Shiro will be there, but in what capacity is what is unknown. Right. Yeah, and of course I've stated an alternate opinion last week, and I, I stand I stand by that alternate opinion this week. Okay. Just to recap, I, I do think there's going to be a Roy Foker moment at some point. Maybe not during this season. If it does happen this season, it'll be toward the end of the season. Uh, that is my completely uh, uneducated guess uh, that that uh, Shiro may meet his demise. But but we'll see. We're all theorizing right now. Everybody's theorizing. So it, it's, <laughs> it's you know, take everything with a grain of salt. Um, Tumblr is theorizing. Twitter is theorizing. I love reading the fans' uh, theories about what's happening or what's going to happen. And uh, there's a lot of great fan art based around 
what people are talking about. And some of them are really crazy. Some of them are very sweet. And some of them are really, really funny. So props to fandom, man. You guys, you guys are awesome. Keep on doing what you're doing. Because between now and uh, the release of season two, you're the only thing that is entertaining besides rewatching the first season again over and over again. I love, course, I love reading it and I love and, seeing it. And of course, listening to Let's Voltron, the official Voltron podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we'll, we'll theorize ourselves. <laughs> we're, we're sort of channeling the fans, aren't we? Yeah. I, 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 as I much as so. we can. Yes. And, yeah. and I got to tell you, I, I might sound doom and gloom with respect to Shiro, but I love this series. I love all of the characters, including Shiro. And I'm very, very excited to see how this story is going to unfold in the next season. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. And um, I just can't wait. Late 2016 can't come soon enough. And I always keep on telling myself this year should end already, considering I'm very excited for season two. And um, I just I just want the characters to grow. I want fandom to appreciate it more. I want them to be vocal so we can have more Voltron Legendary Defender on Netflix for seasons three, four, five, six, or however long it takes because yeah. I can't get enough right now. And I really want a Koran cookbook, don't you? Yes. That's what we need. <laughs> okay, so what we need uh, on the list of things from the show, we need Lance's slippers yes. and Koran's uh, cookbook. There yes. I know, I know. Bex and Kimberly both want Lance's slippers. Yes. <laughs> and we got to get that to happen for them. And it, it's funny because ever since I saw Lance's slippers, I've been I've been trying to mock up a version. Uh-huh. So hopefully I'll have a, a version to see on my uh, on my Twitter in the near future. <laughs> Very cool. I, I'm not a bedroom slipper guy, but oh, oh my God, I, I love bedroom slippers that are that cute. I'm I'm still waiting for Lance's Voltron coffee mug from Voltron Force. Oh yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, I remember the episode I, Gary where he walks into the double the doors that close right in his face. He's yes. got the mug. I want one of those. <laughs> you got to have somebody sculpt it for you. <laughs> <laughs> so we really need to get them, you know, the people at Netflix to work on this product placement thing where you can immediately order whatever you want in the show. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to call it pause and click. There you go. Oh. Not bad. I'm going to call it pause and click because that way I can just pause automatically and say, I would love to have those right now. If I just click on them, then boom, one order. Patent that idea. <laughs> <laughs> I think CW shows like for Smallville, they would always list the soundtrack at the end of the show and it tells you where to buy that soundtrack. So oh, we cool. need to do something similar with like all these cute little items that appear in Legendary Defender. Because I would totally would love to buy a replica Keith jacket or complete Lance's outfit or Hunk's bandana. Can you imagine like how much fans would be so appreciative for replica outfits like that? I would like I would be spending money left and right. I think I'd uh, hold out for a full size castle ship. Wow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, I'll settle for a Lego version. Okay. <laughs> okay. Lindy Taya, get to it, buddy. All right. So while we're dreaming, why don't we listen to a little bit about the story with uh, head writer Tim Hedrick, okay? Sounds great. All right. That's our second interview from San Diego Comic-Con, and that's the last one. Okay. Hi, this is Mark Morell from Let's Voltron, the official Voltron podcast, and we're here at San Diego Comic-Con 2016, and we're talking about Voltron Legendary Defender, and I'm here with Tim Hedrick, the lead writer. Yes. 
Hi, how's it going? Great. Did you enjoy that teaser? Yes. I, I love teases. It's pretty cool. I'm sorry it was such a tease, but, you know, yeah. we've got a new season coming out. It's going to be awesome. I think all the stuff that you liked before, you'll like even more now. So, okay. I mean, what more do you need to know? It's just coming out at the end of the fall. That's a good question. What more do I need to know? <laughs> I'm Let's sure you see. Hmm. First of all, we saw a pretty powerful season two trailer here where Shiro tells Keith if he doesn't make it, uh -huh. he wants Keith to lead the team. Yeah. What makes him think Keith has the qualities to lead the team? Well, I think that uh, Shiro knows Keith very well. And uh, I think we've seen uh, when Shiro crashed back to Earth that, uh, you know, Shiro and Keith had kind of a, a touching moment outside of Keith's desert shack there. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it implies that uh, they have a past. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think that we're going to see a little bit more of that development and we're going to see Keith uh, step up a little bit more too. Mm -hmm. um, but at that point it's really just Shiro knowing kind of what Keith has in him and a little bit more about what his kind of destiny is. So. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for doing that without yeah. giving anything away. <laughs> it's getting harder, isn't it? It is getting really hard. Yeah, it's very difficult. Okay, <laughs> I feel so. like there's a lawyer standing over here just like, on that. All right, so congratulations on season one. That was an awesome season one, and it left probably people with a lot more questions than answers, but that's what's supposed to happen when you have a cliffhanger, right? Yeah, and it leaves you wanting more. Yeah. I mean... We did a lot of episodes, and, uh, you know, I, I think that I really like to kind of go slow and see the characters develop and take our time with the story rather than kind of just rattling everything off right away because I just don't think it's, it's, it means as much, you know. You want to build the anticipation, but also you just want people to get to know who they're dealing with and, and see their, uh, you know, see our paladins develop into a closer bond. Because, you know, as we saw, you've got Hunk and Lance and Pidge just kind of teamed up right at the beginning, you know. So they just got to know each other, and then Shiro and Keith get thrown in the mix, too. So I think there's a lot of room to build those kind of personal relationships. And that's what we tried to do in the first 13, I call them 13 episodes there on Netflix. They were, what are they, 10? Yeah, well, they, yeah. Were <laughs> yeah. they were 11 on Netflix, but, but we had yeah. always known it was more like 13. Yeah, yeah they were three all, all to one. Right. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I like to take our time there. And, obviously, we knew we've always got awesome action. I mean, that's just like Joaquin Dos Santos calling card is yeah. just like bringing awesome action. Like the Voltron so, punch. Yeah, exactly. So that's always there. So yeah. that's that's a great to have at your disposal. Like if you feel like oh, things are getting a little boring here, let's let's bring in a giant robot to smash some stuff. Right. All right. So uh, you had said that for season two, we would be able to see the exploration of more worlds mm -hmm. and more of the Galra Empire even can be expected. Are, are we ever going to back to Eris? Um, we, we, we may have some interaction with the erosions. Um, whenever we need a dance of apology. Exactly, exactly. You know, those erosions are so cute, you know. I feel like they're worth one more visit just to make some plushies out of them. I think they have something hidden because they claim to want to be able to throw themselves upon the fire because of their immoralities. Mm -hmm. 
I want to know more about these. Well, they have a very complicated religion, and uh, one that I don't know if I feel comfortable discussing right now. But I mean, Erujian theology is uh, is very complex. I'm very sure. complex. Yeah. I'm sure. Okay. So, what is the possibility of having an added main character at any point somewhere along the line? Well, I mean, what's your rush, man? We got five paladins. We got Princess Allura. We got Karan. We got Hagar. We've got, we've got plenty of time. Yeah, we've got so many people. We only have 22 minutes an episode, and just keeping up with all these guys, it's a real chore, I got to tell you. So, so back off a little bit, you know, just enjoy what you have here. A little higher budget would help, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know, we're going to have to split off to Voltron Knights or something oh, if we want to do that. Cool. Yeah. All right, because I got to tell you, my favorite Voltron mm -hmm. is the Voltron we see at night with the glowing parts of Voltron. Yeah. I'd like to see more of that. Okay, well, I'll see what we can do. I mean, he's in space, you know, yeah. so it's already dark, yeah. right? It could be displayed more like that. Okay. I'll put in a word for you. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you for joining us on Let's Voltron, the official Voltron podcast. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. It's so cool to have such awesome fans. Okay. Oh, my God. Tim is such a riot. I love him. He, <laughs> you can tell he's really, he really wants to say something and he's just holding his tongue and he's, he's at that point where he's almost close to blurting out something. <laughs> but he, he, he was a sweet, he's very sweet. I, you know, even at the uh, comic book signing, he's willing to engage fans um, and speak about the property. So it was great meeting him and talking to him in person. Yeah, you can tell he's one of the people who uh, has been dropping in the pop culture Easter eggs in, in the show. Yes. The Volt yeah, Voltron Knights, for those of you who don't know, is a reference to Baywatch Knights. Uh, back in the 90s, uh, Baywatch was all the rage and syndication worldwide to the point where they launched a spinoff series called Baywatch Knights. So I thought that was a, a, a hilarious, obscure reference. Loved it. Uh-huh. <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, I'd be okay if, if uh, we had some more of that nighttime Voltron. I'm okay with that. <laughs> or Space Voltron. <laughs> right. I love his commentary on uh, Shiro and Keith because, uh, you know, we got a lot of backstory on Pidge and Hunk in the first season. So we have three more Paladins that we still don't know their backstories yet. So I'm hoping that season two will explore uh, Lance's backstory and how he came to join the Academy and why he has this rivalry with Keith and what is Keith and Shiro's relationship. So there's a lot of stuff that they still need to explore with the current characters. But, you know, I'm still of the opinion that, you know, one additional character might be nice to the series, whether it be uh, Prince Lotor or another good guy. Because, you know, we, we've had a lot of various characters in the original series, too. So we'll see where that goes. I was wondering if, you know, maybe Hunk gets his girlfriend back, Shay. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love that. that they were so cute. Maybe, she, you know, she's always had these dreams of, of being able to see the sky and everything. And maybe she finally gets her dream come true and she ends up hanging out with him and staying with him. That would be cool. Cool idea. I still want a vehicle team Voltron cameo somehow. And I, I think yeah. it would just, I, I, I'll tell you, I do believe uh, wholeheartedly that it would detract from the current narrative to have yeah. this other robot with another Voltron force. But uh, I do at some point want to see some future project that brings back uh, the, uh, the air team, land team and sea team at some point. I don't think it belongs in this series, but uh, 
at some point in the future, that would be really cool. At some point, Koran could make a crazy reference to remembering back to when Alfor created Voltron or something like that. And uh-huh. that at one point, they had this crazy idea of bringing all these 15 vehicles together into one, one giant robot, but he just decided the lions were more in, in line with the elements and it made more sense. Maybe when trying to form this other robot, they uh, they accidentally had a demolition die rug or derby or something, and they all crashed or something. But <laughs> I don't know. That'd be cool. Yeah. Well, for me, it, um, you know, as as far as like season one came off, it doesn't seem like like the Altians had anything close to what being vehicles would be considered. Because I mean, if you look at the Castle of Lions, all they had was the lion ships. There's no like you know, air fighters, they had no real soldiers. So you figure a castle would be more well defended than it is. So did they just rely on, you know, the lions to protect them? It would be hard to explain how, uh, for me, how to how to include the vehicle team, because, you know, it was Galaxy Garrison who took the plans of the Lion Voltron to build their, their own version. And it's like, but, you know, in this story, uh, the Galaxy Garrison has no clue what Voltron is. And, right. you know, everybody else is just learning about Voltron now. So it would be a re- really odd fit to try and include another Voltron in this particular version of the Com- series. Completely agree. Um, yeah. And I mean, and of course, you know, the redheaded stepchild, uh, Albigus, the three, three-part three Voltron that was never shown in America. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> we'll have to play the waiting game on seeing how much they were going to include from you know, what WP tried to do and what they did. And for me, just for now, just stick with the Lion Voltron, you know, expand on that story, adding in another 40 different characters from the other series would probably drive some people insane. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, so, yeah, right now, let's enjoy our Lion Voltron. And if they do reference of another Voltron in the series, maybe in another season or so, it should be like an off comment or mention like yeah. like you said with Koran mentioning something that you know they work with other civilizations to create their own defender and they failed miserably <laughs> but <laughs> we'll leave it to the questioning of fans and you know to theorize on that but other than that yeah this is this is definitely Lion Voltron this is you know the five paladins along with Koran and Allura and battling Emperor Zarkon and Hagar for you know, control of the universe. Yeah, I, I said before the show debuted that that going with a lion-only narrative is the way to go right now because mm-hmm. you're trying you're trying to rebuild Voltron as a property, you know, make yeah. it relevant again to the, today's mainstream audiences, and you've got to stick with what has worked historically, and and that's that's Lion Voltron. You know, as much as I love Vehicle Team Voltron, Lion Force Voltron is where it was at, and it's the centerpiece of what goes forward so um anything uh, anything with our with our friend vehicle team voltron uh is going to have to wait in the wings to see how well uh voltron legendary defender and possible future projects will do based on the lion concept yeah and you never know because uh you know if if these if the lion voltron does really really well it might open up dreamworks to say hey you know you have two other voltrons and Maybe maybe we can do a split off series um, based on the vehicle one, and maybe present a version of the third one. You never know, and it doesn't have to be like full on series. It could be short, short series, and they do this on Netflix too, where it's only five or six episodes that explore a 
possible idea for a feature series. So yeah. I'm all for that. Fly and Voltron is as successful as it seems right now. And hopefully season two will bring on more fans and the demand for more episodes and maybe more varieties might, yeah. might prompt them to explore other options. There is, you know, certainly potential not just for, for other Voltron uh, goodness, but, uh, you know, WEP does have a good catalog of other properties. So I'm yes. hoping that maybe in the second or third season we'll see Denver, the last Balmera. What do you think? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but um, for me, I would I would totally want to see a uh, crossover with uh, Saber Rider. That might be cool. I think Saber Rider would work better in their universe but you know but or saber, saber rider as its own standalone series i wouldn't mind i mean it you guys know that um lion forge is also it, who's doing the voltron legendary defender comics is also the licensee for saber rider in the star chefs comics yes that's right so um and those comics are good if you actually sit down and uh, get a copy you know, go read them. They're they're really really good. And if you ever watch some of the episodes from Saber Rider, yeah, it's a it's a real good homage to that original series too. So you guys are completely forgetting about Vitor, Starfire Champion. You no, know, I I never forgot about that. I just only watched it once because it only aired once in my area, right. and I only caught three episodes out of the five that ever aired. <laughs> I have never seen Vitor. I'm so sorry, uh, Coppler family, but I have never seen Vitor. I'm not worthy. It was hard because, like I said, you know, in my area, it only aired once on TV. I guess because it was a package deal with showing the second season of Ultron, but it never aired again. And I had oh. to, I had to hunt down just to catch the other two episodes that I didn't see, and I thought it had potential. It really did. Yeah, I don't. It just never took off. So I happened by the Han Cholo. Jewelry, they, he's a famous jewelry designer. Right. He's the one that actually designed the Voltron ring. Right. That is in the Voltron shop and appeared in a very famous uh, movie. Deadpool? <laughs> yeah, it was in Deadpool. And uh, and the, the lady I was talking to, um, she had a great story for it. So I'll run over it really quick. So they were watching the movie and they had no idea that the ring was in the movie. So they were all in the audience and they were watching it and like all of a sudden Deadpool was like, oh, we want a Voltron ring. And they showed the actual ring that Han Cholo designed and they were like, oh my God, we didn't even know it was going to be in the movie. And they were so happy. And um, actually when you go, when you went to the booth, they had all the stills from the movie behind the ring. So they said, yeah, this is the ring that was in that movie. <laughs> and um, their new product that they had was a cool necklace. It's the Blazing Sword. Uh, and it has uh, little red crystals on the hilt, as well as the uh, charm. It's a really nice necklace. It comes with a 28-inch chain. It's pretty heavy. So if you ever uh, are able to get onto their website, you know, take a look at the the Voltron Blazing Sword uh, necklace and also the Voltron head ring because they're very beautiful. Um, the ring, the smallest size it comes in is seven. I bought the seven because that's the smallest size they had. I'm actually a size four. So the lady thought, oh, my God, you have small hands. But I'm like, I'm a girl. Of course, I'm going to have small ring fingers. Size 7 is the smallest. And the necklace, I'm wearing it right now. And I love it to death. It's so pretty. Um, they, he did an excellent job sculpting and designing these two pieces of jewelry. So if you're a fan of the old series and uh, want to support more jewelry coming out for Voltron, please pick these two up. They're worth every penny. Yeah, kudos to Han Cholo. 
Yes, they're they're great. They're good designers. You know, for my company, we've worked with them um, as well. So support them. Uh, I I would love to see uh, Voltron necklaces, and uh, you know, I would love to see the actual uh, old Voltron keys as jewelry, as either a pin or earrings. So oh, yeah. uh, the only way they're gonna you know do more is we gotta be interested in their current products. And then convince, you know, world events and then to work with Han Cholo to design more jewelry because I would be buying this, you know, these things in a heartbeat because they're just awesome. So that, that's the other stuff that was at uh, Comic-Con that um, I saw and I totally splurged on. <laughs> cool. Have fun with your guys' review of the next episode. Um, I wish I could review it with you, but... Any future episodes, if you need a third voice, I'm always open for any new uh, future podcasts. Or if you want to do a Voltron 101, I'm also available for that. Well, we appreciate it. We appreciate it very much. Thank you very much, Danny. Yeah, you guys you. are so fun. That's why I love I love speaking with you guys. And it's, it's so nice to speak with fellow fans. And I won't be going to New York Comic Con, unfortunately. So if there's anything at New York Comic Con... These mark <laughs> fulfill my uh, videography. <laughs> if do you want me to like take a picture of it and tweet it to you and say, "All right, do you want this? Yeah. Do you want this?" <laughs> well, I it's not so much the items. I'm more interested if there's going to be a panel. Obviously, yes, we're going to record the panel. Yeah, so you'll you'll fill my spot as far as yes. that goes. <laughs> yes, we but, will. Um, yeah. You guys have fun at New York Comic Con. I have a uh, actually the funny thing. I'll be at Paramorphicon in two weeks. So I hope to run into Neil Kaplan. Oh, that would yes, be cool. Wow, that would be cool. You know, he started off in uh, Power Rangers, so and he he tweeted that he's probably going to be there. So um, wow. if I run into him, I'll definitely give a hi and a shout out. All right. Very cool. I would appreciate that. Thank you. And if yeah. you happen to uh, encounter any of the Comic-Con folks, I mean, I, I know you said you won't be at New York Comic-Con, but this is kind of an open letter or open message to the Comic-Con gang. Please get back to me ASAP or, or at your earliest convenience about whether or not I can go to New York Comic-Con because I very much want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would have, uh, if I had known that uh, the professional registration was already open, I would have gone and signed up, but I missed it by three weeks. So, oh, oh well. Oh. Yeah, and October is usually the hardest month for me to travel because um, it's so close to our release times for my company for our product because uh, we're mostly a fall release schedule. Um, and winter in time for Christmas. So, um, yeah, October is usually a hard time for me to travel. So I always try to plan all my trips before September. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. But have fun, guys. Thank you so much. This was fun as always. And I hope to hear this when it's all edited. <laughs> all, right. all right. Take care, all right. Danny. Thank See you very later. much. Okay, bye, guys. Bye. Goodbye, Danny. Okay, so we're reviewing the next episode. We've already reviewed the first three episodes. We're on episode four, and it's called Fall of the Castle of Lions. Yes, awesome episode, by the way. Of course, they're all awesome, aren't they? Right, and they all follow a continuous story. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, uh, if you recall in the last episode, uh, Voltron defeated... The Robeast. Yeah, his very first encounter with the Robeast under the uh, the control of the five paladins. So, uh, very exciting plot element. Right. So, as as a celebration, 
It is nighttime on Aris at the Castle of Lions, and a party is occurring to celebrate Voltron's victory against the Roe Beast in Return of the Gladiator. So it appears the Erusians are reenacting the battle in a play. Led by the Erusian king, the scene is being played out on the steps of the main hall while everyone else watches from the main floor. The Erusian king says, The monster fell from the sky. It was an epic battle, but Voltron was victorious. And a group of five Erusians are on top of each other pretending to be Voltron, <laughs> while another group of two are standing on top of each other pretending to be the Robeast. <laughs> The Robies throw something at the Voltron actors, and they fall apart. The Erushan King says, no, I said Voltron was victorious. <laughs> and of course, this is a fun tip of the hat to episode two, when uh, the lions were trying to form Voltron, and at one point they're all literally stacked on top of one another. So a uh, fun little tip of the hat to a couple episodes ago. Right. And so immediately the five gather back together, and then the two fall to show that Voltron won. <laughs> And everyone holds up their glasses to cheer. So Alora says, Thank you, Your Majesty, for that wonderful production. She says tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> when, she, when she says wonderful production, she wasn't sure it was that wonderful. <laughs> she directs this part to the entire people at the party now. It saddens me that we must leave tomorrow, but we must continue our battle with Zarkon and spread peace throughout the universe. And then back to the king, your highness, please accept this gift. She hands him what looks like a remote. She says, this will allow you to contact us anytime you need help. Aris will be the first planet in the Voltron Alliance. That's pretty cool. So if you, if you remember, it used to be called in the old show, the Galaxy Alliance. Yes, yes. Here we have the Voltron Alliance. Yeah, pretty cool. And of course, the, the little uh, doohickey that uh, the princess gives to the Erusians uh, reminds me a little bit of the old uh, life call handheld medical thing from the, what was it, the 90s? Where you saw the elderly lady, she's fallen on the floor, she presses this little button on her little necklace or whatever and calls for help uh, through the phone or whatever. And that, that's what that reminded me of, but uh, fun stuff. And this is why I asked Tim Hedrick about whether or not we would be returning to Aris, because I figured somewhere down the line, the Erusian King's probably going to use that thing to call them. Yeah, you don't usually, you know, set something in place without following up on it later. And yeah, I agree. I think, I think we will see return to Aris at some point. Okay. So the Erusian King, in, in accepting this gift, cheers hurrah, and all the Erusians cheer. And Lance, Hunk, and Keith are standing together, and Lance is holding a drink. Hunk says, we ought to get something like that. And Lance says, like what? Well, Hunk says, you know, like a cheer, like a team cheer that we do. And Lance says, hmm, yeah, okay, how about um, I say Vol and you say Tron? Vol. And then Keith says, uh, Voltron? <laughs> Lance says, no, 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 no. The cheer includes the instructions. I say Vol, and you say, Keith just doesn't get it. Voltron? And Lance says, we'll work on it. So Lance takes a sip from his drink and appears to go ballistic. He leans over to Karan, and he says, Karan, what is this? Karan says, oh, this is Nunville, the nectar of the gods. Lance says, it tastes like hot dog water and feet. <laughs> 
Now let's just imagine that for a second. Um, I'd rather not. But yeah, <laughs> I wonder if they serve that at the Fripping Bogogian, the uh, less than fine establishment they go to in the first issue of the comic book. Oh wow, <laughs> wow! You brought the comic book into it. Cool. Hey, I'm trying. <laughs> All right. So Lance says, you know, it tastes like hot dog water and feet, and Coran says, yeah, makes a wonderful hair tonic as well, and he's. <laughs> He spritzes some from his glass onto his mustache, and his mustache becomes larger and fuller. Lance throws up, and Karan walks over to Shiro, who seems like he's on alert. So Karan says, not feeling well? Try some Nunville. Settles the stomach and brightens your smile. And as he's saying this, in the background, Keith and Hunk are trying to see what's wrong with Lance, who seems to be petrified. <laughs> Did you see that in the background? Yes, I loved it, and and I gotta tell you, um, you know there are a lot of a lot of people showing some uh, showing love for the the paladins and all that, and of course there's a lot of a uh, lot of uh, respect for Princess Allura and the, the villains. Karan might be my favorite character in this series. I just love the humor that he brings to the show. It's great. Yeah, and so. Shiro says to him, I'm not sure we should be letting everyone wander in and out of the castle like this. It doesn't seem safe. And Karan's trying to reassure him. He says, oh, these erosions won't hurt anything much. <laughs> and as he's saying that, two erosions are hanging onto a floating tray. And as they go off camera, you hear a crash. I'm surprised we didn't hear Gary. Yeah. <laughs> That's a Voltron Force reference, new fans. <laughs> So Karan says, besides, it's only fair to let them see the inside of a castle that's been sitting on their planet for so long. Shiro says, but who knows when Zarkon will attack again? I'm going to do a perimeter check, just in case. And Shiro walks around the castle. The castle's been sitting there for 10,000 years. Who built those bridges? You know, that you see the castle up there on the on the mountaintop or whatever. Yeah. And there are these, these bridges that, that are partially decayed, but mostly intact, that lead to the castle. Who built those? I have no idea. Hmm. Maybe we'll find out. Maybe not. I don't know. But outside, watching the castle from the mainland area, only about 300 meters away from the entrance, are Haxus and Sendak. Haxus says, Commander Sendak, the sentries are in position around the Erusian village. Sendak says, luck is on our side. Look, the castle defenses are down. The door is wide open. With all these erosions coming in and out, it should be nothing for you to infiltrate. Haxus is using a telescope to see Pidge and Rover walking among the erosions in the entrance of the castle. Haxus says, I may not have to. Look, the small one has a Galra drone they've repurposed. If I can just get close enough to clone its signature code... I can send our bomb drone in undetected. Sendak says, I knew you would not disappoint me, Haxus. And Haxus goes to get the bomb drone. So back at the party, Alora is looking over her team, intermingling with the Erusians. And the mice are with her. Alora says to the mice, Look at them, the new paladins of Voltron. The fate of the universe is on their shoulders. And as she says that, Keith takes a drink spits it out all over Hunk, who looks up with, like, two marshmallow sticks on his eyes. And he goes, my eyes, my eyes! Both Hunk and Keith laugh. <laughs> and Alora, not feeling entirely comforted by this, 
says, I must portray strength so no one can tell how concerned I am about the fate of our mission. <laughs> the mouse on her right shoulder squeaks. Alora says, let's keep that a secret. And more squeaking. She says, who else has secrets? The mouse jumps down, picks up the cheeks of the fatter mouse. And Alora says, Hunk tried to eat what? She chuckles. That is rather amusing. What other secrets? They show her a tail that looks like a sword. And Alora says, that seems like Lance. One of them gives Alora the pretty eyes, like she's a beauty queen. And Alora says, shocked, Pidge is a what? She looks closer <laughs> at Pidge down on the floor, where Pidge steals a bunch of marshmallow sticks and stuffs them in her backpack. Hmm. His backpack. Well, here's here's what I'm saying, okay? <laughs> right? I'm saying her, because we've already established at the end of last episode. Okay. All right? We've already established <laughs> yes, but... that. That's true, but from Alora's perspective, uh, yeah. Pidge well, I'm I'm not saying anything from Alora's perspective because we, <laughs> as the audience, know. That's true. It's the rest of the the crew that needs to find out. Good call. Good call. So, she says, "Hmm, are you sure?" I'm I'm getting to the bottom of this. Meanwhile, Lance, looking down a glass at his reflection in the purplish liquid, says, "I guess we should get used to this space juice." Who knows when we'll get back home again? And Hunk says, yeah, if ever. Lance says, what do you mean? Well, Hunk says, I mean, if this Zarkon guy has been ruling for 10,000 years, how long do you think it will take for us to fix it? You know, if we live. And as he's saying that, he picks up a dish of food from an, a floating tray. Lance says, right, that. As this doesn't help him feel better. Hunk says, looking like he, he wants something more appealing. Hey, what do you think the chances are of us landing on a nacho planet? Lance says, <laughs> as his eyes light up as he recalls his memories, well, there's only one planet with Veradera Beach. Pizza Shack looking over the water and the garlic knots and my mom's hugs. And now he's getting really homesick now. He sniffles and cries. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think this nun bill is getting to me. I gotta go. So, both Hunk and Lance are homesick. It's really the first chance that the uh, that team Voltron has had to sort of kick back and relax and reflect on you know where they're at now with uh, with all this. So, uh, these are natural thoughts for them to have. Yeah, I guess it is, and uh, you know, it makes me wonder if we ever looked back at Earth and the people there wondering what happened to them. Yeah, it does make you wonder. Uh, is the galaxy, uh, is the galaxy garrison trying to cover up their disappearance somehow? Right. Uh, as they did with the, uh, the, the Kerberos mission. Who knows? Right, right, right. So Alora walks up to Pidge and says, so Pidge, we haven't had a chance to really talk. Tell me about yourself. Well, Pidge says, hmm, well, I like peanut butter. And I like peanut butter cookies, but I hate peanuts. They're so dry. <laughs> also, I sweat a lot. I mean, in general, unrelated to the peanuts. And Alora, not, not the answer she was looking for, steps in front of Pidge again. I suppose I was thinking of something a little more personal. She winks at Pidge. We have a lot in common. And Pidge says, like what? 
Alora's eyes turn bright white as she's trying not to say the obvious. <laughs> oh, well, both of us had our fathers taken away by Zarkon. And Pidge, not even thinking, darts back. Yeah, but I'm going to get mine back. And Alora gasps Ouch. as this hit her very hard. Yeah, that was that was the painful moment. We had talked about this earlier with Kimberly Brooks, remember? Right, right. I like how Allura is much more approachable as a character here. You know, to this point, she's had to think about the mission and bringing these paladins on board and the fate of the universe and all this other stuff, all this burden on her shoulders. But here, as she's just trying to learn a little bit of gossip or a secret of image, I like that she's, you know, a little more normal or more more uh, more down to earth. And it's awkward to say that about someone from Altea. But uh, I like that she's a very approachable person here in this scene. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So Pidge, now realizing how it must have hurt Alora to say that, says, I'm sorry. I really didn't mean to. And then Alora cuts in. No, I understand. I just want you to know that you can confide in me if there's anything you ever want to talk about. Anything. Really putting the hard press on now. <laughs> Pidge says, huh? Pidge wants to fess up about something now. Okay, I do have something to tell you. Alora said, I had a feeling. What is it? Pidge says, I'm leaving Team Voltron. Alora, taken by surprise, says, wait, what? And Pidge says, I decrypted the information from the Galra ship about where my family might be, or at least where they were. I've made up my mind. I'm leaving tonight. Alora says, Pidge, you can't. You're one of the five paladins. She puts her hands on Pidge's shoulders. You have a sacred trust to defend the universe. Now Pidge steps back and gets out from Alora's grasp. She says, my first priority is to find my family. I thought you of all people would understand. If you had a chance to get your father back, wouldn't you? And Alora's eyes start to well up. I'm sorry. I should go tell everyone else. Pidge walks away from Alora with Rover in tow. Now Pidge walking up to Shiro outside the castle. Shiro, I need to talk to you. So Haxus, who's hiding nearby, gets a scan on Rover to clone it. Haxus says, signature code cloned. He sends a signal to the other drone and makes it look like Rover. Then he says... Bomb activated. The bomb drone heads into the castle. Now Lance, who's feeling homesick, is in the control room, and Karan walks up. Karan says, mind if I join you? Lance says, how far away from Earth do you think we are, Karan? Karan says, well, let's take a look, and he activates the star map. So now we're in, you know, that, that scene where you see all the stars surrounding them. Okay? Mm-hmm. Karan points, and he says, Earth is over here. And we're all... And he keeps swinging his arms to push the stars around, and he keeps going and going and going. And, he, and while he's doing this, he says, Way over, over. here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's quite a ways. And then Lance says, You ever notice how far the planets are from each other, Karan? Karan says, yes. Haven't you been paying attention? 
Lance says, yeah, but I mean, like, they're really, really far away. Like, say, Earth. It's so far, I can't even see it. The blue oceans, the white clouds, green grass. I can't see any of it. Karan says, you miss Earth. I understand. I miss Altea. Lance says, I know we're supposed to be brave paladins and defenders of the universe or whatever, but honestly, I just want to go home. Karan says, if I could go home, I would. Lance says, I miss rain and splashing in puddles. And Karan asks, rain? <laughs> Lance says, yeah, it's water that falls from the sky. And Karan says, oh, we had that on Altea, only it wasn't water. It was more like rocks. Razor sharp and boiling hot. Oh, they could <laughs> knock a hole right in your head. Do you remember in the old Looney Tunes cartoons, there was a, a character called the Dodo. It was this green, just goofy looking character. There was, a, there was a, an animated short, you know, decades ago, of course, where we got to see uh, Dodo's home world or whatever. And it's just all these ridiculously insane creatures that you could ever possibly imagine. You know, these walking musical instruments that are playing themselves and all this other crazy stuff. Uh -huh. or, or, or like the old MGM cartoon with the cat who wants to leave the busy city and he goes to the the moon, I think it is, and all the crazy uh, creatures there. I, I, I got that vibe when I heard him describing rain on Altea. <laughs> wow. Uh, Lance says, yeah, that sounds fun. Karan says, yeah. Meanwhile, we see the bomb drone disguised as Rover heading down the hallways in the castle looking for something. In another part of the castle, Pidge is still with Shiro, but Allura, Keith, and Hunk are also there now. Shiro says, Pidge, no. Pidge says, the download from the Galra ship was enough to at least get me in the right direction to start my search. I have a pod all ready to go. Keith steps in right next to Pidge and he's angry. You can't leave. Pidge snaps back. You can't tell me what to do. And Keith, using sound logic, says, if you leave, we can't form Voltron. And that means we can't defend the universe against Zarkon. You're not the only one with a family. All these erusions have families. Everyone in the universe has families. And Hunt says, yeah, I have a family. They live on Earth. I want to be with them. Is that like a thing that can happen? And Allura, who can't believe her ears, you want to leave too? And Hunk says, of course I do. Look, Voltron is super cool, don't get me wrong. But I never signed up for a lifetime in space fighting aliens. Keith, who's getting really fired up now, directing his anger at Pidge. You're putting the lives of two people over the lives of everyone else in the entire galaxy. Shiro stopping Keith in his tracks. Keith, that's not how a team works. People have to want to be a part of it. They can't be forced. And that's true, by the way. Well, sure it is. I mean, if you want, you've got to get everybody's buy-in. That's part of being a leader is to... Uh, a huge part of being a leader is to rally the troops and, and get everybody, uh, you know, to, to genuinely believe that what they're doing is right and good and just. Um, I, I think this is a very good breather episode. I mean, you know, I was already commenting about Allura being more human and being able to step back a bit from from what she's been up to with all her duties and all that. The same is true of these of the, the paladins here. I mean, they're they're. They've just fought their their toughest foe yet, their, that uh, Roe Beast in the previous episode, and they're having a, a moment to step back and rethink things. I mean, you know, they've been so busy 
and so under duress that they haven't had a chance to, to think, what do I really want? Right. So Shiro, getting gentler to Pidge, says, If you want to leave, we won't try to stop you. But please, just think about what you're doing. And Pidge, looking down, says, I'm sorry. You're going to have to find someone else to pilot the Green Lion. And walks away. So this is a sad point for our team. Yep. Alora, in despair, says, I can't believe it. This team is falling apart. How will we ever form Voltron? Now back at the control room, Lance and Karan are about to walk out when the bomb drone comes in the room. Lance, waving high, says, Hey, Rover! Then realizing he's without his owner, says, Wait, where's Pidge? The drone is beeping louder and faster now and attaches itself to the crystal in the middle of the room. Then it explodes. And as it's just starting to explode, Lance, who jumps and pushes Karan away from the blast, says, Karan, look out! Everyone in the main hall screams because the castle is shaking due to the blast. As a result, the entire castle powers down. Now, in the control room, Karan, getting up confused and coughing, Huh? Shiro and the others arrive and say, What happened? Karan says, I'm not sure. Alora looks at the room as the dust settles and she gasps, The crystal! Then sees Lance lying on the floor unconscious. Lance! Shiro tries to see if he's okay. Lance! Lance! And Pidge, we have to get Lance to the infirmary. Alora says, without the crystal, the castle has no power. And Shiro says, he doesn't look good. The Erosion King comes in with more bad news. Lion warriors, our village is under attack. We need help. Keith says, let's get to the lions. And Alora tells him, you can't. They're sealed in their hangars. There's no way to get them out. We're defenseless. You gotta love those single points of failure, don't you? Yeah, I mean, one power outage keeps the lions from being able to do anything? Yeah, you need Allura plugged into the castle to fly it. You need uh, the one and only crystal that you have to be fully intact and running, not only to fly the castle, but also to allow the lions to launch. Oh, they really could, uh, they, they should need to go back in time 10,000 years and rethink this castle. Yeah, and, you know, the whole security issues and all that kind of stuff again. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> so the Erosion King says, will you not help us? And Keith said, we'll help you. We just, and Lance groans. Hunk thinks, holding up Karan, this is bad. Karan gets on his feet on his own power and says, we have to get a new crystal to get the castle working again. But to get a new crystal, we need a ship. Pitch says, the pod I was loading, we can use that. I left the bay door open. Karan says, I can use the scanner in the pod to see if there's a Balmera nearby. Hunk, you come with me. I'll need someone big to help me carry the crystal. Hunk says, a, Bal a Balmera? Karan says, it's where the crystals come from. I'll tell you about it on the way. And then Pidge, Hunk, and Karan leave. Keith says, I'll go see what's happening at the Erusian village. Laura says, I'll go with you, Keith. I brought this on the poor Erusians. Shiro says, I'll tend to Lance and stand watch over the castle. Keith and Alora leave together. Shiro looks at Lance, still barely groaning. Did you hear that? Keith and Alora leave together. 
Oh, shippers, go! <laughs> let's jump on this. Uh, shippers to new Voltron fans, just so you know, uh, there is a uh, there's a group of Voltron fans from way back who uh, believe that Keith and Allura uh, in the original series were an item. And, uh, and and maybe looking for indications of that in this new series as well. And they're destined to be together. Yes. So, at the pod Pitch had talked about, Karan and Hunk get in the cockpit. Hunk still has his tight helmet problems. Karan says, it's our first bit of luck. There's a source not too far. We won't need a wormhole to get there, thankfully. And Pidge, who's just outside the pod, says, I made some modifications to the shuttle. Of course, right? Of course. So she points to three icons on the display. The first change is a cloaking device that I reverse engineered from the invisible walls on the training deck. The second is a tank of booster fuel that I mounted on the fuel line. Karan says excitedly, using that during flight would turn the whole pod into a bomb. Hunk whimpers. Pitch says, okay, maybe you shouldn't use that modification after all. <laughs> so Hunk says, are we ready to hit it? And Karan says, right, let's go. Pidge gives a thumbs up to Hunk, who gives a thumbs up back. Good luck. Karan and Hunk take off. Not just in this episode, but every episode of this first season, the characters all always have something meaningful to do with the plot. And I know that this sounds like, well, duh, they should. Well, yes, they should. But I think that this series is very good at giving everybody something meaningful to do in every single scene of every episode. Um, that's that's fairly rare in an animated series, I think. Um, so I, I really get a kick out of these, out of seeing these characters divide and conquer. Yeah, and it's 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 amazing how they seem to, you know, want to go where the help is needed the most. Yes, yes, and that says a lot about their 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 innate uh, desire to do good and all that stuff. Right. So Shiro, who's carrying Lance down a long hallway to the outside, says, "Hang on, buddy. Help is on the way," but he has to stop because he sees Sendak and his sentries coming their way. Shiro says, Sendak. He puts Lance down on a ledge, then he stands between Sendak and the castle. Sendak says, stand aside. Shiro says, no, you're not getting in. He activates his right arm. Sendak says, yes, I am. He throws his arm at Shiro, which grabs Shiro and drags Shiro towards him. Sendak slams his fist down, knocking Shiro back. Shiro gets right back up and runs towards Sendak. His right hand hits Sendak's arm and does no damage. They twist around each other in a circle, both swinging. Some miss, some get blocked. Then they both yell and slam their fists into each other's fists, coming to an abrupt stop. Sendak says, I see you spent some time with the Druids. They do love to experiment. Too bad you didn't get the latest model. His whole arm jettisons off his body and fires towards Shiro, sending him rolling all the way back to where Lance is laying. Sendak's arm comes at him again, and he jumps out of the way. Sendak comes flying in over top of Shiro, following his arm, but Shiro grabs him and throws him down. They both make a stab at each other at the same time and stop with each other having their weapons at each other's throat. 
some pretty intense action there, huh? It, it really is. And, and you know, we, we've uh, we've touched on on uh, on Joaquin dos Santos really knowing how to deliver action scenes, and this is uh, certainly uh, representative of that. And and I can't help but think back to Voltron: The Third Dimension. There was an episode in which Lance and Lotor uh, had a sword fight, and of course. You know that show was animated in the in the late '90s using motion capture technology. I don't want to go too far into the weeds on this, but but there are significant limitations to what you can do with that technology. And the sword fight came off um, in a less than effective way. Let's just say uh, this scene is in stark contrast to that. Not only is this a very intense scene, it's a very personal scene for both of these characters. And I think that the visuals and the, the sounds really. Uh, sell this fight in in a in a powerful way, right? And at any moment, either one of them could be at death's door, right? This is the, the stakes feel high from start to finish here. Yeah. So, as they're still at each other's throats, Haxis says, "Let him go, or your friend won't make it." And he drops Lance on the floor. Sendak takes advantage of Shiro's hesitation and slams him back with his arm. Now both Lance and Shiro are laying motionless on the floor. Sendak, who seems pleased with himself, says, Voltron is ours. Now Pidge, watching from above, says, Oh no, and then goes somewhere we don't know where. Alora, Keith, and the Erusian King and other Erusians see their village on fire. Alora says, what's happening? Erusian King says, pointing to some sentries in the middle of the village, look, attackers. Keith says, I'll go in for a closer look. Stay here with them. Alora says, Keith! As Keith gets close, he sees the sentries were only decoys. He's like, what? Oh no, they tricked us. And over the calm, he says, It was just a diversion to separate us and thin the castle defenses. Alora looks back at the castle. In the control room, Sendak and Haxus set up what looks like their own purple crystal, tied to what remained of the old crystal like they were jumper cables. Did that look like that to you? Yeah, yeah. And and I was thinking of, and again, I, I can't help but bring in other uh, other media uh, I, I was reminded of Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan, where Scotty says that the main energizer of the Enterprise is bypassed like a Christmas tree. Um, this uh, this scene kind of reminded me of that. Also, real quick, going back to the scene where uh, Koran is is uh, scrolling through the holographic star map, I was reminded of the Star Wars prequels where uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi is in the Jedi Archive looking for uh, the planet uh, Kamino, I believe it was. Um, so that the visual in, in this episode uh, brought back some memories of that too. Okay. So Sendak says, power up the castle. And it works. But now everything is purple. Do you remember what the color used to be? It was a uh, light blue, like a uh, cyan. Right. Yeah. So now everything's purple. And purple is bad, as we all know. Right. So Sendak says, the lions are all in their bays. Raising particle barrier, begin launch sequence. So Keith and Alora are running back to the castle, but they're too late to get in under the, that particle barrier. Keith says, we're too late. No. Alora says, they have control of the castle. They're taking Voltron. Sendak says, make contact with Emperor Zarkon. 
Haxus sets it up. Zarkon says, Sendak. Sendak says, my mission is complete. I've captured the Altaian castle along with all of the Voltron lions. I am currently preparing for launch and will be delivering them all to you shortly. Zarkon says, this news is most pleasing. You have done your duty. Vrepit sa. Sendak says, Vrepit sa. Haxus, ready the castle for takeoff? And Haxus says, yes, commander. So, so what do you think Vrepit sa means? Uh, I was just about to comment on that. I, I was reminded of the Klingon word, and I do not know the language, guys. I'm a Trekkie nerd, but not that bad. Uh, the Klingon word, kapla, which means success. Sort of a, you know, go team or, you know, we did it, you know, bazinga, that sort of thing. Um, that's that's the vibe that I got from this term. How about uh, Altaian stink or something like that? I mean, <laughs> they could... They, they could be putting down other people, or they could just be cheering for themselves. Yeah, I I, I kind of got it as a huzzah or uh, or the the whole Klingon kapla thing, but uh, but yeah, it it it, uh, it it definitely means that uh, something is going right for these villains. I'm surprised that nobody asked that at any of the convention, you know, stuff. Well, maybe uh, maybe there'll be a, a Galrin uh, English dictionary in the near future. Who knows? Okay, we got to get to know these Galrins better. Yes. Are we calling them Galrins, or are we calling them the Galrin Empire, or the Galrin people? I don't remember them ever saying Galren anything. It's it's always yeah. just seems to be Galra. Galra. So uh, who knows? Yeah. Okay, we'll see. Yeah. Okay, so Lance and Shira are still lying on the floor. By the way, they they just wanted to show us a shot of that just to let us. Remind us. Yeah. But outside the particle barrier, Keith gets out his sword. Keith says, can we break through the barrier? Elora says, no. And whoever has taken the castle has a crystal, which means they'll be able to fly the ship. We have to stop them. Keith says, how are we going to do that? Then Pidge over the comm says, Keith, can you hear me? Keith says, Pidge, is that you? Where are you? Pidge says, I'm inside the castle. Sendak has taken over and he's preparing for launch. He's got Lance and Shiro. Alora says, Pidge, listen, if they've started the launch sequence, then we don't have much time before liftoff to stop it. So Pidge says, well, what do I have to do? And they're showing a split screen now with both Pidge and Alora. Alora says, you have to get down to the main engine control panel and disconnect the primary turbine from the central energy chamber. If you can do that, Sendak will have to reset the whole system. If you're a fan of Star Trek, does this scene not scream Star Trek The Next Generation? Captain, the warp core is blah, 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 blah. And if we reroute the phasers to the secondary sensor array, we'll be fine. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Right. And there's always some console that you have to pull off the the cover and go inside and make some, some adjustment manually instead of the, the usual just press a button. Yeah, they, you know you know the stuff's getting real when you're not using a touchscreen anymore, when you're actually <laughs> moving things around physically. Yep. So she says that might give us enough time to find a way to stop them. So, so what she's telling Pidge to do here only just delays things for a little bit. Yeah. They don't even still know how to stop them. Mm. So Pidge looks up at, at the hologram display and heads towards it. Meanwhile, Hunk and Karan have arrived at the Balmera. 
Hunk says, is this the Balmera planet with the crystals? Karan says, it's not a planet. Balmera are ancient animals, petrified but still alive. Their bodies naturally create the crystals that help power many Altaian ships. I often accompanied my grandfather to visit these majestic creatures when he was building the Castle of Lions. I'll never forget the first time I saw the sparkling surface of a Balmera. You're in for quite a treat. Now, as they get close, Karan sees signs of the Galra Empire. Karan says, oh no, this is horrifying. The Galra have turned this into a mining colony. They're completely destroying it. They have no regard for the poor creature. You can see lots of holes in the Balmera ground. Yeah. An alarm starts blaring in the ship. Hunk says, uh-oh, we've been spotted. A male voice from a large Galra ship above them says, Hailing unidentified craft, state your ship ID, entry code, and landing destination. Hunk says, oh no, what do we do? Karan says, just stay calm. Now Karan over the radio to the Galra ship says, We don't really need to land. Uh, we're just looking around if that's okay. So the same voice from the Galra ship says, Unidentified craft, land immediately and prepare to be boarded. Karan says, Okay, thank you. See you down below. Then Karan slams the throttle on the ship and it bursts forward and as they're fired upon, Karan steers it towards a mining hull. Again, great action stuff here. Yeah, I mean, you're expecting to see one thing, they see another, and then all of a sudden things get really intense. Yeah. Now I have to ask, okay, so the Balmera create these crystals and we will, you know, we'll, we'll get into uh, how they're used by the Altaeans and all this good stuff. But I got to wonder, what is the biological reason? You know, before the Altaeans came along and said, hey, these crystals are pretty nifty, the Balmera must have been generating these things for some legitimate biological reason. But what? I'm curious. Yeah. What were they used for before the Altaeans started using them? Yeah, I mean, are, are they the Balmeran equivalent of uh, you? You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, who knows? Karan says, not done yet. Hang on. He dives inside the hole as Hunk screams in fear. Now, Hunk is endlessly screaming as it is a very deep hole. He says, Karan, Karan, stop screaming suddenly and says, how deep is this thing? As they run out of room and hit a support beam, he says, oh, no, no, no. Now they're both screaming. The ship is out of control, and they crash land at the bottom, digging through the ground. They're shaken up a bit, but they exit the pod, and Hunk looks around and sees a couple of sets of eyes light up in the dark. He says to Karan, Karan, what lives at the bottom of these mines? So back in the castle... Pidge is struggling to get through a door that wouldn't open, holds the door open with her leg and calls, Here, Rover. Rover squeaks over a deep, open shaft. Pidge says, Okay, Rover, here we go. She uses thrusters on her suit to get down levels in the shaft. In the control room, Sendak tells Haxus, Run main cluster activation sequence. Haxus says, Activation sequence initiated, powering up for launch. At this point, Pidge has reached the turbine. She says, okay, Alora, I'm near the turbine. I think it started. Alora says, then you'll have to hurry. Cross the catwalk to the main column in the center. 
Why is there always a catwalk? <laughs> yeah, of course. I keep thinking of the chompers in uh, Galaxy Quest when they're trying to activate the Omega-13, you know? <laughs> right. Oh, well. <laughs> right, I remember that. <laughs> so Pidge gets there at a console and says, okay. And Alora says, now open the hatch. Pidge kneels down and opens the hatch. Alora continues, find the central computer control hub and enter the following sequence. Pidge stops her. She can't read the symbols on the glowing tubes. Wait, 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 wait. Which one is it? All the labels are in Altaian. Yeah, that can that makes things a little bit harder, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking Pidge could, uh, with all of her know-how, could maybe uh, like an augmented reality uh, visual translator to uh, fit over her glasses or something. Yeah, that would be helpful. Yeah. So this isn't a, a case of you got to cut the red wire or cut the yellow wire. This is completely different. <laughs> so Haxus is saying, Commander Sendak, we are ready for launch. The turbine is gathering energy all in front of Pidge here. Pidge is getting excited. I can't tell which one it is. Alora, Alora. Well, she's lost contact with Alora now. Pidge looks at the turbine, which is running really hot now. Uh, Alora says, I've lost connection with Pidge. Oh no, it's taking off. As we see Sendak, he's growling at his accomplishment. Pidge says, uh, looks at her Bayard. Okay, whatever. Then slams it into the tubes. She screams and groans as she gets knocked back about 30 feet. And then she looks up, huh? The turbine powers down. Pitch seems pleased at her luck, and Rover is too. Haxis says, the main engine just shorted out. Sendak comes over to the console screen, presses a button, and sees a security camera footage of Pidge slipping out the door. Sendak says, we have a saboteur. Find him and take him out. And then we see the end credits, and that's it. That is some intense stuff, isn't it? I mean... Here you have an episode. There's no Voltron. Nope. There's no lions. Nope. All we see are a couple of guys from Galra being able to take down the castle all by themselves. Yeah, the uh, the paladins were caught with their uh, their trousers down, kind of sort of, weren't they? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I. Uh... You know, it happens a lot in in, uh, in action oriented sci fi shows or whatever. When when uh, you know they they kind of leave the gates wide open and usually nothing happens. Well, here it definitely did, and uh, it it, uh, it got them in a bad way. And they were able to to use a diversion to separate the team. Yeah. Now, one thing I really like. I mean, I like this episode quite a bit on you know in in many ways, but. Uh, it, to me, when you when you just mentioned, you know, we've got no lions, we've got no Voltron, we effectively have no castle because it's under Galra control. Um, we're, we've basically stripped away everything and gotten to the core of what Team Voltron is, which is his people. And uh, so, you know, you're, these people are fighting purely using their own wits and merits and abilities without any uh, technology to help them. Uh, it's It's pretty cool stuff. Right. And, you know, you find out what, what's, what really makes these people who they are. Yeah, and I love that Pidge didn't bat an eye 
when she saw that her teammates were in trouble. You know, she was she was going to leave to find her family. But as soon as she saw that someone needed help, she just began to help. It, it came a second nature. So you, you get the feeling that, uh, you know, I think Pidge's heart has always been in the right place. I mean, who wouldn't want to try to rescue their family? I mean, who the heck knows what her father and brother have been and may still be going through in Galra ca- captivity. But, uh, but uh, you know, so I, I don't doubt her, her uh, you know, her nobility um, at all, even when she's leaving the team. But when you see her come back to help her friends, um, it reinforces all the more that she, like everyone else on this team, are, are really well suited to, uh, to defend the universe. Right. And it's Pidge that saves the day at the end here. Yeah. But the day isn't ended, though. Nope. We're, uh, you're, we're about half past two, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all this happened in one night. Yeah, what a night. Yeah, and it was just amazing that, that you get to the end of it and we still don't have a resolution. There's, there's a continuous story going on here. Yeah, I wonder if any future episodes might be like this. What do you think, Mark? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's it seems like, uh, you, you know, you shouldn't expect that by the end of an episode, things are going to be resolved. Yeah. So and isn't that cool? That's pretty cool to keep they keep you wanting to come back for more. Well, in, in this day and age of, of Netflix and, you know, binging and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it just makes sense. You know, uh, you get to the end of an episode. Obviously, I can't not watch the next episode i have to watch the next episode right and this is something that is a a, in stark contrast to the original series and of course it kind of had to be that way for the time i mean when you when you air an episode uh, the original series voltron defender of the universe aired in weekday syndication so five episodes a week you're going to miss an episode. If you're a kid, you're going to miss an episode here or there as you go to baseball practice or you just get home late or you're in detention or something. And, and, and if this, if the original series had been highly serialized in an era where you couldn't easily videotape, you know, in advance, you didn't always know you weren't going to watch a particular show or, or necessarily even have access to the family VCR to do this. Um, it would be hard to pick up a show like this midstream or, or, or to keep following a show in a serialized way if you miss shows here and there. But it, it, you're right. In this, uh, in this new world where everything is digital and streaming and, and you can binge watch something without batting an eye, um, you know, this is the perfect time to have highly serialized content. And, uh, and our, our friends at DreamWorks are really making it happen. Right. And they're doing a great job. Absolutely. So, I mean, all in this episode that we've just done, we talked about San Diego Comic-Con, some of the cool toys that are out. Obviously, they're not Voltron Legendary Defender toys yet, but these are some cool collectibles that you can get from Classic Voltron. Yes. And then we we talked about there's a show out, you know, where a super fan gets, gets a couple of bikes built for them that are completely custom, 100% Voltron Legendary Defender in style. And then we talked to Lauren Montgomery and Joaquim Dos Santos and Tim Hedrick, and we got some of their insight on Season 1 and what could be coming in Season 2. And now we're talking about an episode from Season 1. So we get a lot done in one episode here, don't we? Yeah, we've been all over the Voltron universe. 
Um, and and uh, you know, I, I want us to uh, shout out to fans of uh, of of all uh, calibers out there. Of, of however you've come to this podcast, however you've come to Voltron, we are here to cover Voltron from start to finish. And of course, in our minds, it will never finish. Um, but I mean, we we are here to cover. Voltron Defender of the Universe, Voltron the Third Dimension, Voltron Force, Voltron Legendary Defender, anything Voltron and everything Voltron that has come down the pike or will in the future. Um, this is, uh, we want this to be the fan connection. Uh, feel free to reach out to either of us. You know, for Mark runs at Let's Voltron on Twitter. My handle is at Let's Voltron Greg. Reach out to us with questions, comments, episode ideas, suggestions, anything like that. We love talking Voltron. We, we've been talking about it here for a couple hours now, and there are many, many more fun episodes to come. So um, let's, uh, let's Voltron, you know? We're going to close this podcast out with a replay of our first live Periscope broadcast we did earlier in the week to announce the winner of our signed comic variant issues from San Diego Comic-Con. Welcome to our first Periscope broadcast. All right. I have Greg Tyler with me on Skype. Say hi, Greg. Hi, Greg. I mean, hi, Mark. <laughs> we're trying... See, this is live. We're totally unrehearsed. Yes, we are. So <laughs> we're trying this live broadcast on Skype and on Periscope to give away two copies of assigned variant comic books from Lion Forge. Both are signed by show writers Tim Hedrick and Mitch Iverson. So very, if... very cool. Yes. And these are the... These are the comics, okay? Nice. So, if you sent us a picture on Twitter with the podcast name or logo, then received a notification that you're officially entered before the deadline, then your Twitter name is in this hat. By the way, it's a Voltron hat if you can't see it upside down, okay? So your Twitter name it's is... It's not a Nortlov hat, it's a Voltron hat, okay? Yes. <laughs> So, we'd like to uh, wish everyone good luck, and right now we're mixing them up. Do you want to reach in there, Greg, and pull out a winner here? Uh, I'll try. I don't know if the power of Skype uh, can, will let me do this, but no, I think you'll have to do that. Up, oh, oh, we got one. <laughs> All right, nice. Okay, the official winner of two signed variant copies of the Voltron Legendary Defender number one, signed by Tim Hedrick and Mitch Iverson, goes to Pajama Cats. Congratulations, Pajama Cats. Congratulations. So Pajama Cats, please send us a DM on Twitter with your address. That's Pajama Cats. All right, we, we want to thank everyone who entered the contest, and obviously we will be having more of these contests in the future on, on the podcast. So congratulations to Pajama Cats, and we'll see you next time on... Let's Voltron!